Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 217. Of course, I'm John Davis. Around our table in MotorWeek headquarters, Studio C, we are honored to have executive producer and head writer Dave Scrivener with us today. Honored to be here. And we're always honored to have... Gee, the guy that knows more about cars on this show than anybody else, writer Brian Robinson. No, it's definitely not me. But yeah, oh, yes, it is. And at the phone, I uh, should say over the phone, who is at the 2019 L.A. Auto Show, which is going uh, the press days are right now. We're recording this on Thursday, November 21st, and it's around 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Greg Carlos. Greg, how's the weather out there? You know, uh, they say it's always sunny in L.A., uh, but that wasn't my experience yesterday. But today it's actually pretty good. So. That's good. Well, we're going to spend most of the show talking about uh, what's new at the L.A. Auto Show or the Auto Mobility L.A. 2019, as they now call it. Uh, so, Greg, we'll start. Now, a couple days before the show, Ford uh, unveiled its uh, long-rumored um, EV, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, their first purpose-built EV. We'll get back to that in just a few minutes uh, down the line in the lightning round because that really was uh, uh, kind of like the elephant in the room for the whole show. But let's start with something a little closer to the market, Toyota RAV4 Prime. Tell us about the new PHEV. Yeah, so... Um coming off success of the uh, the RAV4 hybrid, which we actually have as a long-term. They're right. now going to offer a uh, PHEV, uh, which is how it gets that prime designation, uh, like the Prius Prime. Um, but it's, it's interesting that they, um, they're they kind of billing this as the more sporty uh, RAV4, and it's actually uh, 305 horsepower, I believe, and uh, 0 to 60 at 5.8 seconds. And as I understand, that's actually the second quickest in the lineup to 60 next to the Supra. Yeah, it looks uh, like it is. Uh, but the mileage, the uh, what's the actual uh, amount of EV-only miles? Uh, they reported 39. 39. So that's pretty high. I mean, these yeah, days, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 14 that's, that's to 18 is pretty standard. Yeah. 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 To, it, we're seeing so many of the European vehicles still coming in with, um, you know, 22, 24. Um, what was the feeling overall at the show as far as the uh, the new intros and and what was the vibe from the show? I mean, we hear so much about auto shows sort of dying. Is the LA show still alive and kicking, or what? You know, this one seems like there's a little bit more excitement than last year. Um, but as far as the feel and and the whole vibe, uh, you know, we just started with it electrification. It's it's still at the forefront of just about every automaker's press conference. Something's electrified, be it a PHEV or full battery electric, fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cells are starting to, you know, make a comeback or at least try to get back into the game. Um, but also performance, you know, not just internal combustion engines, as we've seen, we'll probably talk about Mercedes and Audi. Um, but, uh, you know, automakers are really pushing the performance aspects of their electrified vehicles. Hmm. I guess one of the few vehicles there that wasn't uh, necessarily electric, at least not in the iteration they've shown, is the production version of the uh, Lexus LC convertible. They had already shown a, a prototype. Any clue on what this 
five-liter V8, and there aren't that many of those left uh, coming out. What this thing's going to sell for and how many they're going to make? Uh, they don't. I don't believe they came out with uh, pricing, pricing quite yet. And actually, yeah. they're, they're going to do a one-off uh, version for Barrett-Jackson that's going to go off, which will probably bring in quite a bit of money. Oh, sure. Um, mm. But but they're, they're saying it's going to be four to six hundred maybe a year of, uh, of uh, LC convertibles. So low volume, but that, considering they only sell, I guess, we were just looking up the sales figures, it looks like this year they're only going to sell about twelve hundred of the coupes or so. So that's still yeah. that's that's pretty actually, significant. I, I just found my note. So um, at the event they said uh, they're expecting the convertible to be thirty to forty percent of total LC sales. Right. Uh, and yeah, but between four and six hundred a year. I imagine pricing would be like fifteen twenty grand above the coupe, probably something yeah. around that range, which is probably. about um, you know ninety seven thousand. Yeah. So it's a certainly a six digit car. Uh, speaking beautiful. of six-digit six cars, Aston Martin DBX, what'd you think? Yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I thought it was a great-looking car, uh, or I should say SUV. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, people like to uh, kind of slam things when they're new. A lot of people were calling it a, uh, a new Ford Escape, uh, <laughs> which I think wow. I think people kind of forget that. Ford initially took that grill design with the Fusion from Aston Martin. Exactly. Or maybe mm. didn't take it, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, really nice-looking car, and I'm sure it'll be uh, a lot of fun to drive. I mean, that's just the latest, uh, you know, super premium brand to enter the SUV market, and it certainly seems like uh, the smart thing to do. Uh, let's see what's next on the list. Uh, the uh, Land Rover Defender, of course, uh, has been seen before, but they did set the price. I believe I believe it starts at what fifty one grand, which I don't know. It seems like a pretty reasonable price to me. Yeah, of course it it's, it starts there, but if you can get it around that fifty grand range, yeah, exactly. And uh, they're going to be uh, you still have the Defender ninety and the one ten. The ninety will be here before uh, the one ten, uh, separated uh, by season. So fall of twenty twenty for the one ten, and uh, spring of twenty twenty for the ninety. But yeah, really, really cool stuff. They are going to uh, keep that center front seat for three across the front, which will be pretty cool. Uh, a couple of engine to- choices, turbo I-4 or a turbo and supercharged I-6. Uh, both will have an eight-speed auto, so you won't have any uh, manual transmission to have fun off-road with. <laughs> I did notice that you had, uh, you've had you done a superb job of um, basically making sure we had good social media coverage uh, of the show. So if anyone hasn't caught it, uh, you know, the uh, be sure to do so. But also, if you go to our website, under this just in, you'll see a full rundown of everything that was at the show, even if you're a couple of days after this recording uh, actually seeing it. Did you find out there that the automakers were gearing things more towards social media than ever before? Or what's the focus on you know how they're launching these vehicles now? Yeah, you know, uh, they, they're still doing that thing where – a night and sometimes even two nights before the show, they'll have an off-site event for the real big reveal. 
Uh, but they absolutely are because a lot of the people you see there, these, I mean, these events are huge in L.A. and there's yeah. so many people and they're not just journal. I mean, there's the, the journalists that we see all the time in these events, but there's also just hundreds of other people that I've never seen before and they all look very trendy and much cooler than me. <laughs> so I have to imagine they're uh, social media influencers. influencers. I can't even believe that's possible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, let's come back down to earth with the uh, 2020 Nissan Sentra. Yeah, you know. Looks uh, better. We, we, yeah, we talked about this before, uh, how these, I guess the Sentra is technically a compact still, or has that moved up into a midsize? I uh, think it's still considered a compact by them, but I think the interior room has got to be pretty close to It's got to be midsize. Yeah. It's not yeah, inside yeah. space it, anyway. It, it certainly does not look like a uh, compact uh sedan anymore but uh, really yeah it does look really nice it takes some of the maximum styling um yeah just a really nice looking exterior package you know i've looked at the pictures of it of course and yeah they borrowed a lot of uh, altima and maxima for the front end but i you know when when you get entry-level cars with things like led headlights and all the safety features it's like especially if you're still calling it a compact it sort of shows why the midsize ranks have been dwindling so much uh, let's see. Uh, switching gears completely, Audi showed a new all-electric uh, e-tron Sportback. It's a lot better looking than the current uh, e-tron. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. The uh, Sportback does wonders for the style. I mean, the e-tron wasn't a bad-looking car to begin with, but it, it now that you see a Sportback version, you're like, why wasn't this always right. the way it looked? And I often find the opposite to be true. I, I don't like the Sportback styling in a lot of the cars. This but one this, seems this to one work. I do. <laughs> uh, any other details about it? Uh, 270 miles of range based on the European cycle, which, I mean, we just had that e-tron in, and it was only like 220 maybe? It wasn't Is, even that much. That? Yeah, 204. 204 rated, as uh, Brian says. But, yeah, our numbers are usually lower than their numbers. And I got um, – I drove it almost till it was dry, and I got about 210. Hmm. Um Let's see. Did that did that Lexus LF30 concept back to Lexus. Yeah, another pretty wild looking one. Um, they had the gullwing doors. Yeah, very cool gullwing doors. Um, electric motors inside of each wheel. Hmm. So more control of of where the torque goes. that can go to any individual wheel. Probably better packaging um, too, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, really, really cool looking. Uh, just, you know, somebody had tweeted back at us and wondering why they can't make something like that. And, uh, I mean, it would just cost a fortune, and it would probably be very uncomfortable mm-hmm. looking at those seats. <laughs> BMW 2 Series Grand Coupe. Yeah, you this know. Was, uh, this was be, a world premiere, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it wouldn't be an auto show without uh, a European manufacturer putting two more doors on a coupe. Um, so we have the we have the Grand Coupe version of the two series and uh, the M8 Grand Coupe, uh, which also sported a really nice green paint job. And um, back to an actual coupe, they had the uh, M2 uh, CS, which uh, should be pretty bonkers. That should be pretty. Yeah. Pretty hairy. Yeah. I keep wondering how many, uh, how thinly um, these uh, German manufacturers can slice up uh, particular um, segments of the market, but they they always surprise me. BMW is the master of they it. They are indeed. Uh, um, let's 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. I was I was going to say, um, kind of shoehorning uh, the, the Chevy Trailblazer. Uh, you know, was they're kind of putting it in a weird position in between the tracks and the uh, the Equinox. Just a very odd placing of the of the car, and they're bringing back the Trailblazer name, obviously. But they claim it's going to be priced under twenty grand to begin with. Hmm. Um, well, it was designed, of, if I recall, primarily for the Far East market, wasn't it? Yeah, so uh, yeah, it has been in other markets. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but we'll be getting it here, and it'll be much different than the Trailblazer we, we remember. Well, like they've done with with so many other things, but. You know, it's it's it stayed with that that sporty front end that uh, they've um, uh, been involved with in the last couple of uh, launches. Uh, I want is this going to be an imported vehicle, as far as you know, or do you know? Uh, as far as I, I can't say for sure, but I I would imagine so. What's what's the other one? Blazer? Oh, Blazer. So it looks a lot like the Blazer, right? Yes. Yeah. It is a mini Blazer. A mini Blazer, yeah. Thank you, Brian. Or a Trail Blazer. Or a Trail Blazer. All right. Um, This one is catching everyone's eye because, um, I guess, because it's just another vision of where electric cars are going. The Volkswagen ID Space Vision concept. Yeah, uh, so it's a wagon another, looking. Yeah, it had a really, what caught my eye was the uh, the rack for a uh, skateboard in the back, which you know hit right in my uh, '90s child uh, nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, rear mounted, 275 horsepower uh, motor. It can take a motor up front, apparently. So for all wheel drive. Uh, but yeah, just the, the latest uh, Volkswagen ID uh, 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 model. They made a lot of uh, fuss about how the proportions have been shaped so uh, differently because they don't have to make space for uh, a gas engine up front anymore. It still has a fairly long hood, but you know pictures are deceiving. When you see it in person, does it look that much different, or does it just look like a stylish wagon? Because that's what the pictures look like. Uh, no, it, it basically does just look like a stylish wagon. I mean, maybe if you really sat there and looked at it, you would say, oh, I guess there's not as much front overhang. There's not as much room in the front that you would normally see. Uh, but it, it still looks very good. Uh, a Mercedes AMG GLS 63, another high-performance version from those folks. Yeah, they're throwing that 4-liter V8 into uh, some more cars. 603 horsepower, both in that and the GLE 63, which is also here. Um, and I'm not sure, uh, maybe somebody else can correct me, uh, but is the GLE V1 that'll get the EQ boost, or do they both get EQ boost in it? Because I, I think, think it's the first I think time they, they would use do. it. Don't they? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the AMG models. I know the regular, regular ones, do. all of them pretty much Mercedes do now it, at this point. But, yeah, I think the, the, the big deal is that uh, it's the first time it's used on this engine. Yeah. Oh, on this engine. Okay. Um, speaking of uh, EV boost, Lincoln Corsair Grand Touring, uh, their, their first all-wheel drive with rear electric drive uh, PHEV. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, we just talked about it with the uh, RAV4 with the all-EV mileage. Uh, this one is about 25 miles. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, not, not a ton, but I guess it, every little bit counts, as we've seen with our uh, Mitsubishi uh, PHEV long-term. You know, this um, is... Yeah, I didn't... Go ahead. Go ahead, I'll. No, I'm done. I was just going to probably... This has been a long time correct. coming. I, I mean, about five years ago, I went out on a limb and I said, I really thought that we'd see um, electric motors being used for rear, you know, for all-wheel drive at the rear axle with a lot of... Uh, these car-based SUVs, and it's it hasn't happened. And I mean, Toyota kicked it off with the Highlander a long time ago, but now it's finally starting to come down. And I guess they're doing it because they had to wait till they changed the architecture enough to fit in at least some form of a battery. Um, I don't know. I wonder in this market what the take's going to be on it with only 25 miles. Oh, imagine if it's like the Aviator, or is it the Aviator? That has the, the Aviator has it, but the Aviator doesn't have the electric all-wheel drive. Correct, but it's like way faster than the other one. So this a, one yeah, is as well. 500 horsepower hybrid. Yeah, it's yeah, like the high performance version. So they're going to sell a lot just based on that fact. Let's see, it says uh, combined with the 2.5 liter I-4 total outputs... 266, so it's not in the Aviator's class, but still it's probably it's quicker. It's a lot than smaller too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a really neat little vehicle. I, I probably they'll do a little bit better than they think they are. Uh, Hyundai has a lot at this show. Let's start with the Vision T concept uh, PHEV, their wildest one. Yeah, uh, again, kind of one of those things where they're previewing the future of where they see their brand going. Uh, again, another nice looking uh, vehicle, PHEV. Again, the electrification. It's an uh, SUV, right? <clears throat> Uh, I, be- I believe. Yeah. You know, I'm trying. To, I'm looking back through my notes here. Yeah, it's it's considered. Uh, you know, it's it's a car based looking crossover, but these days, everybody calls everything SUVs. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, I was um, looking in the other direction at the uh, mid-engined RM19. <laughs> I wonder why. Now that's the latest version of their N-based um, uh, prototype race car. Yeah, basically, it is a prototype, and uh, it is mid-engined. Um, they claim that it's going to production. Now, this this one we saw came out with all the race car aero. I mean, massive rear diffuser, front splitter, huge wing on the back. Um, that obviously would not make it to production, but they're claiming that a mid-engine, or we're understanding that perhaps a mid-engined uh, Veloster will make it. Well, that would be quite a change for what's been a, a high-value uh, sporty car for now. That won't be nearly as inexpensive. Speaking of high-value sporty car, little cars, um, Mini Cooper had a basically a race car there with the John Cooper Works GP. GP. This is the most powerful, I guess, three-door Mini they've ever marketed. Yeah, that thing just looks like a ton of fun. I mean, we've, we've you can kind of... Minis are kind of polarizing. You either love them or you hate them. Um, but I don't think anybody will, will tell you that they aren't fun to drive. And this one looks pretty awesome. A lot of wild-looking uh, aero treatment on the outside of the car, um, which you know may or may not be the greatest-looking thing. Uh, but it certainly looks like it's fun to drive. What was the public acceptance of the uh, Porsche Taycan? Uh. What do you mean by that? I mean, is it... Did people like what they saw? They they, they showed, the what, the 4S there? Yeah, the 
S, so that'll be in uh, below the Turbo and Turbo S models, even though none of them actually use turbos because it's an all-electric vehicle. Right. Um, uh, but no, you know, a lot of people were bringing up the word Tesla in the Porsche booth here because they're kind of separated from all the other manufacturers. Te- uh, Porsche doesn't like to mention Tesla much because they don't want to say that they're benchmarking them, but they obviously want to take some buyers away from Tesla. Uh, and at least from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are really receptive to the to the looks of the Taycan and the performance. Pricing is a little over the top, but again, I think you will get exactly what you pay for with the Taycan. Yeah, the build quality is certainly there. Well, the, the, when you look at the Taycan and you look at the overall silhouette, you you can't help but just think of the uh, the Tesla Model S. You just can't. Sure. Yeah. Let's see, next on your list, uh, the new small SUV from Kia. Yeah, the Seltos. Seltos. Yeah, fun little, uh, looks like they're kind of going for the um, urban, you know, weekday urban weekend uh, off-road camping type deal where uh, it's not necessarily an off-road vehicle, but something you can take on a dirt road to go camping. Is that their version of the Kona, the Hyundai Kona? Is that... Or is it smaller than that? It's smaller than the uh, Kona, isn't it? Really? It's, it's supposed to slip in the market between the Soul and the Sportage. So it's it bigger than the Soul. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it has different proportions. It's it's more of like an SUV. And like You see it and you see a, an SUV mm. over uh, over a Kona. I would mm. rather see all-wheel drive put in the Nero. I like the Nero a lot. Me too. Yep. I agree with that. Which brings up another small SUV, the Mazda CX-30, which a lot of people have been saying, why do they need this little vehicle slotted between the CX-3 and the CX-5? Uh, it does seem to be like it's getting very crowded in their lineup. But uh, any impression of it? Uh, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at that one, um, but... What I'm looking at online right now, I mean, it's it's very Mazda, and we all like the the styling of Mazdas. But again, yeah, it's just it's hard to get over that they're just trying to shoehorn all of these models in like in any little space they can find. But I'm sure you know, I'm sure well, there's a butt for every seat. So, um, two new. Mo- Sorry, Brian, go ahead. No, I'm good. Yeah. Two new models, or I should say, revamps from Alpha, the Julia, and the Stelvio. Yeah, there's a. a Again, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with those. I think those are just updates. Yeah, they are. Both still attractive. Um, they, I think they basically tweaked the exterior quite a bit, and they, you know, they're they're beautiful cars. It's interesting. The uh, two pictures that we have posted on our website, it's exactly the same angle uh, and elevation of the camera for both. And when I first saw them, I thought, why do we have two pictures of the same car up on the website? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Great-looking cars. Uh, I kind of wish more people were uh, interested in them. And Acura showed the production version of the PMC edition of the MDX. Yep, 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 yep. Um, they also have the Type S here, which I hadn't seen before. Uh, so that was that was nice to see. Um, but I think looking at this list that I've written out, we have a couple more that I just want to mention real quick. Sure. Uh, so Camry and Avalon all-wheel drive were here. Um, Camry is the first all-wheel drive version since 91 and the first ever uh, Avalon all-wheel drive. The Camry um, all-track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll make some people happy. Um, and there was a concept from Karma 
the uh, SC2, which uh, they claim has 1,100 horsepower and a 0 to 60 of 1.9 seconds, according to them. And <laughs> that's motor, that's, that's oh, faster yeah. than most performance motorcycles, isn't it, Brian? Yeah, if you don't have to build it, you can say it gets to 60 and whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then one final one was, was the last uh, reveal from yesterday. It was like basically everybody was walking out the door. It was the Genesis G90 uh, update with a huge, huge grill. And, uh, it, I mean, which is, which makes sense for that class of vehicle of luxury. People like big grills. Um, you know, kind of reminds me of an act like an oversized Acura grill, but I still, I don't think it's very bad looking at all. Hmm. Uh, this morning, however, you also were there when they unveiled the uh, green car winners for the year. You want to give us the rundown? Yeah. So the, the green car of the year, which was, I guess, the original award, uh, went to the whole Corolla lineup. So we're talking sedan hatchback and hybrid um and then over on the suv side it went to the uh honda crv hybrid which none of us have actually even driven and it's actually on display here it's not on sale yet yeah it's been out in europe and asia but it hasn't been here and they didn't really even announce it till a couple of months ago uh that's that's unusual and the corolla i find interesting i would understand if they gave it to the corolla hybrid but i wonder what the rationale is for giving it to the whole corolla family just that it's a lot of efficient car for the money or yeah it's uh i I would have to imagine so i mean i I know we drove the the hybrid and i guess the sedan but uh i just remember how effortless it was to get into the like 50 mpg range on that hybrid yeah it's pretty impressive well we'll come back uh like i said when we get to the lightning round we're going to talk at at length about the ford mustang mach e but um how about you standing by and maybe you've got something to contribute to the other vehicle that we wanted to uh, cover on this particular podcast thanks very much by the way for all of your reporting from uh the la auto show Dave Scrivener, you are one of the few people that has driven the 2021 Polestar 1 from Volvo. Tell us what it is and tell us what you think about it. Well, Polestar is the um, performance electrified sub-brand of Volvo, half-owned by Geely, Volvo's parent, and Volvo. Uh, Polestar comes from the name of their racing uh, team from they Europe. They made it on their performance they made, models for years. Right, yeah. and they made that the brand name for Polestar. Uh, the Polestar 1 is a plug-in hybrid. Um, future cars will be electric only, I believe. Um, 70 miles of EV range is really the calling card for this. Where most, where most of your plug-in hybrids are in the 10, 20, 30 20, range. 30, 40, that, that's, this that's, really is a, a difference higher, maker. Higher than any other PHEV, I think. I believe you're yeah. right. Um, the, 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 the downside to that is it's, it's, it's $155,000. Um, they're only going to make so many of them. They will sell them out because they're exclusive. It's made of carbon fiber, which gives you much more crispy body lines you can, than you can do with steel. So exclusivity and the materials make it, I guess, worth the money. But it, driving it, it feels like a really, really nice Volvo S90 hybrid. Is it based on the same chassis? It uses the same yeah. floor pan yeah. as the other the other basic chassis, but they, they graft on a carbon <laughs> fiber chassis and body on top of that and um two electric motors in the back the uh supercharged turbocharged i4 up front gives it a combined 619 horsepower um it doesn't feel that fast off the line i don't think the motors kick in so quickly up to above 30 or so Mm -hmm. 
Um, but handling is really crisp. It uses uh, Olin's adjustable shock absorbers. It has Akibono brakes. So the hardware is there for handling. It's really, really comfortable. Soaks up the bumps pretty well. Uh, I find the, the steering's a bit disjointed from the road. You know, not a whole lot of feel to it. But it, goes, like it goes where you point it. You got to push it pretty hard to get it to, 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 to protest and school the tires a little bit. But it's very comfortable, very competent. I just don't see the price personally. <laughs> I was going to say that's, you know, what is that? Probably fifty grand more than the, any Volvo that's ever sold before. And, and the thing is, it, it weighs as much as an XC90. It's over five thousand pounds. Wow. Yeah, people forget all these electric cars. The batteries are heavy. The trunk's the size of a Miata's trunk. Yeah. So obviously they're using it as a prestige car. It's, and it's the halo for the brand. Right. And, and they cars. promise both EVs and, and I think some more reasonable uh, plug-ins. Yeah, we I'm saw the Polestar 2 on display when I drove this one. It's, it's a S60-sized sedan. It'll be an electric car. And yeah, I just found it odd that their all-electric brand, they would launch with a plug-in hybrid, right. not an all-electric car. I think car. they're electric, electric performance brand, what they're Cor- calling I, it. I, yeah, they're modified that, When we first started perhaps. hearing about it, yeah, there was their all-electric brand. So yeah. I find that a little weird. But, I mean, 70 miles, if that's indeed... I mean, it's, uh, it's it, based it, on their Volvo Coupe concept from 2013, which is coincidentally designed by the current CEO of Polestar. And, and it looks just like it. It looks exactly like it. Yeah, I think, like, you're going to make this car and make it our first car. Yeah, we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Automotive News ran this long list of, of like a hundred new quote-unquote electric cars coming out in the next five years and like 70 or 80 percent of them were phevs or plug-in hybrids yeah, i think it's a great balance yeah I mean, you get you know you can plug it in extend your ev range so people plug their diesel uh trucks in at night to keep you know that's right that's that a plug-in yeah <laughs> The original plug-in. Eliminates range anxiety, having a little bit of a gas motor there to get you home if you have to. What would you say, Greg? Oh, it was stupid. Don't even bother. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's what the podcasts are for. Might as well throw it away. All right. Okay, let's uh, go on to the lightning round, and let's get back basically to um, the um, Ford Mustang Mach-E. Very simply, uh, this is the long-awaited first purpose-built uh, electric vehicle from Ford. Uh, they've used Mustang styling cues front and rear, particularly in the grill and the taillights and the sides, uh, the, the pressings for the side panels. Uh, 300 range maximum with a two-wheel drive model that won't be out for a while. Uh, the first model out, I believe, is going to be, uh, uh, I want to say 270, but is that coming later? What do you? What did I know? You've got a chance to see it in person, Greg. Give us your impressions on. Were you wowed or underwhelmed, or what did you think? Yeah, I, I definitely was not wowed. That doesn't mean it's not a good looking car. Uh, looks like a five door hatchback. Yeah, and it, it actually it looks a lot like a uh, Jaguar E Pace, F Pace, that whole thing. Huh. Uh, but that aside, uh, it, it, it is a pretty good looking vehicle. Um, it's not, I guess it's, it's not as uh, extreme of styling as some people may have wanted. I mean, the GT is obviously going to have some, you know, flared fenders and some other pieces that make it look a little bit better than a base version. And a real gr- and a grill look to the front instead of just the uh, kind of cutout outline. Right. Yeah, the interior uh, is okay. It's very Ford. They definitely went right after Tesla with that big screen. Uh, I can't say I'm a huge fan of the interior. 
It's it's well, very plain looking, I thought, in the pictures, with the, just the yeah. big tablet and a small tablet in front of the driver. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think they were going for plain, and they were probably going for, like, minimalist. But it, Tech. Like you said, it comes yeah. off that way. It comes yeah. off as plain. Uh, three and a half seconds, zero to 60 for the GT version, uh, which will be right up there with um, uh, the folks at Tesla. I mean, basically, they're aiming this at the Tesla Model Y. Even pricing is, is pretty similar, at least for uh, initial models. Uh, so when you saw it, and, you know, did you say, wow, I would rather have that than the Tesla? Or do you think, you know, the, if you read all of the uh, online comments and social media, they're extremely mixed. Uh, no, I don't. I don't myself. I definitely don't see that and say I, I need that over a Tesla or even any other uh, all electric SUV. It's going to come down to how it drives. Um, and I, I was having a discussion with other journalists about how a lot of the electric SUVs that we drive kind of drive similar because they all have a battery below the floor, the yeah. low center of gravity, and they all, they all just have like a really similar feel. So I'm curious to see if they can separate themselves or if it's just a lot more of the same. It is a watershed vehicle for a domestic manufacturer. I think that's, uh, that's pretty clear. And, and the folks at GM and... Um, Chrysler have to be scratching their heads just a little bit at, at FCA as to what's happened here. But so certainly was the car that sort of took the uh, the uh, air out of the room even before uh, L.A. opened. But the name? Yeah. How about the name? Dave, go ahead. Come on. I, I think I, I like to say they've ruined the Mustang name, but they survived the Mustang, too, in the 70s and 80s. So <laughs> they can bounce back from this, I think. Yeah, performance cars as we know them 50 years from now are going to be a lot more like this than they are uh, than the, what they are now. So I think it sets them up to keep that uh, Mustang name going strong for years to come. And that's actually what one of the yeah. main editorials out there said about it, that they've ensured the Mustang name that. will have a big future. Yeah, yeah. Did you write that? No. Nah. <laughs> All right. I wrote the minor uh, editorial, not the main one. Let's see. Um, the least expensive model, when it comes out, which will be sometime in 2021, they say it's going to be about $44,000. The one that comes out about a year from now will be roughly around sixty, And that's the so-called first edition. Sales were opened on Sunday when they unveiled the car. I wonder if it's sold out already. Um, so interesting. And uh, we're all looking forward with, for a chance to drive it probably next summer. I'm going to move on to our viewer question from Darren. And it also is uh, electrified vehicle base. He said he was watching our long-term updates on the Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV, which we currently have in. He took note of our running fuel economy. He was curious to know how we were getting that mileage. Were we charging it a lot, or was it spending uh, a lot of time on the road after the battery runs out? And the answer is both. Yeah, I'm uh, curious. Does he think our number's high, or does it look? It didn't really say. Yeah. Uh, it is high versus the you know, normal vehicle. Yeah. I mean, it's plugged in a lot at the office. I see. Yeah, every day of the week. Uh, plugged in. The yeah, wall. it was mixed results. Some staffers plug it in regularly, others don't. So there's some fluctuation there. The other thing is whether or not when you get in it, whether you push the battery saver or just let it draw down the power right away. Right. 
and that makes a big difference. And that's just driver preference. We don't have a standardized, yeah. you must do it this way. So. Right. The, uh, the last uh, time we did a check, we noticed a, a significant bump up in the mileage, Darren, and we figure that's because more people were actually charging it up. So the answer is we're probably using it the way a lot of people will use it, which is if they can plug in at work, they do plug in at work. But once it's depleted, it may be inconvenient or maybe they live in an apartment and they don't plug in overnight. So uh, I will tell you that overall, we're a lot more impressed with the vehicle than we thought we were going to be. And I think it's a good effort. Agreed. Hope that answers your question. Say, has anybody got a rant and rave? How about you, Greg? Anything out there that uh, you didn't like really a whole lot or that just overcame you with joy or anything? You know, not, not as far as automotive, I can't say that um, I'm particularly missed or can rave about anything. But what I will say is that the streets of L.A., the, and I'm talking quite literally the streets and sidewalks, have really put a damper on my time out here. So when it rains here, they're so slick, I guess because of, you know, months without rain and just, mm. they're just generally slick surfaces. Huh. I can barely walk. Really? Falling down. Yeah, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I have to watch every step I take. And then this morning, uh, as in my hurry to get over here for green car, I uh, must not have secured my uh, book bag well, and my laptop <clears throat> laptop took a tumble onto the ground. It still oh, works, no. but there's uh, a nice little dent on the corner. So. <laughs> but the question is, does it work? It works. I'll be sending you guys time next. probably right when I hang up. <laughs> okay. Anybody else in the round uh, the table? I've got a rant. Ah, Dave's got a rant. Um, partly, partly due to the fact that we drive these cars, we drive so many cars and don't get used to them. I was driving the heavy duty Silverado mm-hmm. last week or so, and I cannot stand the auto high beams. Oh, I really? Agree with that. I had to stop oh, and gosh. Google how to turn the darn thing yeah, on. I'll agree with that. <laughs> I just I wanted to control what light I use, and it's constantly flicking them on and off to me. It's like, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, and I hate that a lot of times when you when you have the low beams on, then you turn the high beams on. Oh, yeah. It goes into all. Oh, it doesn't that? turn oh, them good. on. Yeah, that's It doesn't right. turn them on, and it waits and thinks about, okay, I guess it's okay to turn them on now, and then it turns them on. By then, you know, the deer's already that I'm trying in to your see. Grill. Yeah. <laughs> in your, in your like, grill or your window. I, yeah, well, uh, not they are frustrating. About that. Some are better than others, Agreed. but they um, are fr- all frustrating. Scott was, uh, I was driving the Volvo home the other night. We have a Volvo V60 cross-country wagon in, and it's got the auto headlights. And what got me is when they worked, they worked fine. But if you touch – but then they wouldn't come on. So then you flick the stock to bring them on, and then, of course, you've killed the automatic function. And how do you get back to the automatic function? It seems like they either ought to be on or be off. Um, but that's a good one, Dave. That's a that's a good rant. Well, there you go. I'd like to chime in. I know we're going past our time here. That's all right. Podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the uh, the Ford Escape Hybrid I drove like a weekend or two ago. Yep. Uh, it, it's auto high beams are some of the most pleasant, pleasantly activating mm. and deactivating I've ever seen. Well. Instead of just like going straight to high beam and, and straight off. There's actually like a fade up and a yeah, fade down. Yeah, I noticed that, that as well. Really, really I, nice. it, it was a fade up and fade down. You're right. And as a matter of fact, the Corsair, uh, the Lincoln Corsair has that too. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's just another technology that's still evolving. It's interesting, you know, people that aren't as old as I am don't remember that, you know, we had automatic high beams back in the, the late 40s and early 50s. You saw all those Cadillacs going down the road with those <laughs> big things that looked like a little – Narsal off a car, off an airplane, sitting up on the fenders. 
Greg, thanks very much for all your reporting from L.A. See you back here in the office. See you soon. Hey, be safe out there. Watch where you're walking. I'll try. Indeed. Thanks to our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, our podcast producer, who is Greg, and our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And thanks to all of you that watch Motor Week on public television stations all around the country every week and also on our cable uh, channel, which is Motor Trend. And let's see what else. And listen to our uh, podcast. Go to our website. Check out everything there at motorweek.org. And just are a part of our Motor Week family. And thank you very much for all of that. And I hope you'll join us for another Motor Week podcast very soon. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.